This is WBZR Chicago. Welcome to Episodes. Episodes is a 10-part mini-series where we are telling the true story in serial fashion. This is a completely original podcast, never done before. Each week we'll bring you a new installment to each uh, part of the story. We will elaborate, loop in more voices, tell you more about this true crime. Now, back in the summer of 88, I was working as a freelance smoothie maker and also part-time at a newspaper. And I came across an old clipping. And this clipping was, how do I say, cryptic. And I read through it, and all of a sudden I received a call from someone. And they said, I wish you would look into this. So what you're about to hear is me looking into this. And I'm going to be joined um, by my chief research associate. Uh, He's actually an intern from Chicago State University. His name is Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas, are you with me? I am with you. How can we even begin to prepare for the audience for this 10-part true crime serial? Wait, do they already make this podcast? (laughs) I don't think you can prepare. (laughs) From WBZR Chicago, this is Episodes. (laughs) That was good. It's supposed to be a serial knockoff. (laughs) To quote uh, Kumail, uh, I like my jokes better when they're explained. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. Wrote this one this morning. Didn't have a lot of time to flush it out. It was good. I liked it. I feel like I I I burned all my my good juju on the uh, Auntie Anne's killer a few weeks back. Twisted. Oh, that was good. (laughs) I should have just read that one again. That was like the joke equivalent of I found, and then I found $5. Uh, <laughs> just referencing an old joke that worked. I like that. That was good. I was with you. Uh, if we think of another one. Barnabas totally was good. No, no, over. no. Oh, it's a good thing this isn't episodes. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think episodes is the name of a television show. Is it? I don't know. And anyway, thank God it's not episodes from WBZR Chicago. It's Bar to Death. Welcome to Bar to Death Season 2, Episode 6. We are burning daylight with this Season 2 call. Uh... I think we're, I think we're nearing the end. We're not at the end, but we are certainly nearing it. Mm. Um, Don't what say we it. are. What we are concluding today is our conversation on sports, which mm. we whew, we just breezed through some some old childhood memories, some yeah, experiences playing sports up to and and really including high school days. Mm-hmm. Um, a good conversation, right? I thought so. Yeah, it was interesting for me going in thinking I have nothing to say about sports. To I actually have a lot to say about sports. Yeah, and we're going to kind of pick things up here, transition a, a little bit away from playing sports, a little more to, you know, kind of our relationship with sports as adults and everything that might come with, um, which I think is rather reflective of how sports, you know, first half of your life so far up to, you know, up to high school, we, we play it. And then after that, you either let sports kind of go or your, you know, your, mm-hmm. your engagement with sports becomes you sitting on a couch. Uh, potentially. So um, it's mm-hmm. kind of reflective of the kind of life trajectory. <laughs> I guess. That's I funny. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, Ryan, so I feel like you kind of have to kick us off here because you're, when I think of like the sports, the quote unquote sports person, I think of somebody who like can just rattle off like players and teams and stats and seasons. And those are things that I've never really been able to do. I've had like a few key experiences that have given me some insight, but um, you are definitely, I mean, even just thinking about walking through your house in high school and outside of your bedroom, you had this like shelf of just sports memorabilia, like signed baseballs and um, things that I just never had as, as a kid or were you know, wasn't that interested in. And I feel like you're so much more in tune to, I've, I've heard you talk sports with people and have felt like totally like left out and, and just wanted to be like, yeah, like I watch, <laughs> I watch golf or, you know, like um, I've, I've just never, I've, your, your sports knowledge I'd say is probably is far and beyond what mine is. And sports knowledge to you is like movie knowledge to me uh, because you don't, well, have, I because I know too. more, because I know more than you. I have, I have both. I'm a renaissance I to, man. I had to work off. that in to just try and like <laughs> one up you. No, but seriously, you, like what, yeah. why, why do you, let me just ask this. Cause this is a question I wrote down. Why do, do you watch sports? Yeah, that is a great question. It's one I've really only thought about these last couple years. And I will say, I think I can talk about any sport, any major sport with anyone. I think I can talk about baseball, basketball, tennis, football, soccer, golf. Um, We're talking about professional sports. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. My hockey knowledge is limited, but I I can talk in depth about any of those sports and I'm not bragging because I wish I could apply that knowledge to like being a better drummer or being better at my job or Or something like the stock market. (laughs) Yeah. And like, like trade, you know, trade oil futures or something. (laughs) But unfortunately, no, like this is where I'm at today. (laughs) And I, I played and watched sports most of my life, never really questioning it. It was Mm. just like, Oh, I like this thing and I don't know why I like it. Why do I like ice cream? But Mm-hmm. basically over I've always gotten I've never been immune to being upset playing or watching sports like mm-hmm. I've I've had tantrums but in the f- last few years you know having a sports tra- tantrum when you're when your team loses I'm old enough now to be like oh this isn't fun I don't want to do this anymore mm-hmm. and yet the idea of me realistically never watching, you know, a, a basketball game again is absurd. So yeah. I kind of had to start asking myself these questions. Why am I doing this? Mm. Um, and I think there's probably a few prongs to the answer, like a trident, if you will. Mm. On the one hand, it's just like viscerally entertaining to 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 just sit and and follow a drama. I mean, in my sense... I, I, in my mind, I guess in some sense, following a sports team, following a, a league throughout a season is a, you know akin to watching a drama. Mm-hmm. These storylines evolve and, and players get hurt and come back and teams triumph and others collapse. And mm. it can kind of take this dramatic place in your life and give you this sense of storytelling mm. um, that has real world implications. On the other hand, it's really enjoyable to watch because it's not life or death. Mm. Um, like if watching, if Game of Thrones was real, watching it probably wouldn't be as fun because you're watching people die. Sure. But we're able to enjoy it because it's, it, it's not real. Similarly, sports, you know, it's 
you know, the ancient Incas used to play this handball game and kill the the team that was defeated. But fortunately, Steph Curry is like not getting beheaded in the, <laughs> the game. Wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, it is real. Like it is really happening. And and when cities win championships, they they have parades and and people's you know talk and act differently. Like so, it has mm. real world implications. So I like it from that entertainment drama storytelling standpoint. And yet I still don't know if that's a satisfying answer. I don't I don't know. Um I, I think on another hand, we're in living in this twenty nineteen when sports has never been more suffused with analytics and hmm. it's the post moneyball area. This is something you and I were talking about, and I hope that we can talk about moneyball as a piece of content. Sure. Um but I'll kind of conclude my my initial rant by saying I think sports has never been smarter. I think the way we talk about sports has never been more like scientific and mathematic and um it, it's it's an art, it's a science, it's like a brute physical activity, it's a clash of titans. Um I think it it's a little bit of everything and it it might be a microcosm for existence in a way. Mm. Um it's it's solo, it's it's you're a part of a team. It's you win, you lose, both are inevitable. You can't win everything. And so I almost wonder to the extent that like watching sports provide kind of satiates this both like really heightened, refined sense, but also this primal sense that I just want to yell and scream for something. Mm. Um, anyway, that's kind of as far as I've gotten at age 29 about why I would subject myself to the misery of following sports teams. <laughs> Wow, that's a great answer. Um, who's your favorite sports team, Rye? I've I've heard you talk about a number of teams, yeah. Steelers. I think what is it the Braves? You're big on the Braves. Yeah. Who, who's your? What's your team? I have ones for different sports. Sure. Steelers have broken my heart a lot throughout the years, so <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> Your favorite sports team is this team that has not broken your heart yet, and so it was a Steeler. It was for it was the Braves for a long time in baseball. Then they broke my heart too much, so I moved to football. Mm-hmm. Steelers won a couple Super Bowls, heartbroken. Um, I've been pretty high on Villanova basketball. They've won a few Natty champs recently. Mm-hmm. They were not good last year, so probably Villanova um, college basketball. It's like. It has its problems, but it's not a professional league, so it seems kind of pure in a sense. Mm. Uh, I don't know, probably that, but it, it definitely changes with time and with age. And what's inevitable is that they you will get let down because no team can win forever. Mm. But even this past, I mean, this literal year, I threw my remote and broke it. So... <laughs> I mean, I wasn't proud of that. I had to stop watching basketball. I wa- I stopped for like two weeks. I was like, I have to stop. This is not healthy. And really, I can only I can only return once I have a, a healthy relationship with what I'm watching. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend saw it. It was not yeah. pretty. <laughs> that's so yeah. funny. And uh, yeah, that that's really interesting. Um, what what I mean, there's I have so many questions about sports and well. Am I derailing if I ask you a question? No, 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 not at all. After I've now kind of defended why why I think I watch sports, I, I want to ask you why you don't, although it, it's a bit of a paradox because 
the bird you shouldn't have a burden to explain why you don't do something it's like well sure. why why don't you eat sour patch kids you know mm-hmm. it's like well i i, I don't know because i don't like them but why to the extent that you can i'd be interested why do you ever feel a like you're missing out like oh man i wish i was super into that or b yeah. i guess I'd, I'd just be interested in your thoughts on on why you have never maybe gravitated to being like a religious sports watcher sure sure um yeah, and like I should say, like though I do not watch sports, um, I follow them, uh, r- particularly a couple enough to like know what's happening. Like, um, I I really like watching golf and yeah. watching the U.S. Open, and like seeing seeing Tiger like win was was a pretty cool thing, mm, and just cool. knowing like his story and his journey and um, how he was essentially gone as a it seemed like he was just gone as an athlete to you know, potentially being like back as like one of the greatest athletes in the world. And, um, so there's, I, I have like a touch and go relationship with it. A, a huge part of it is I just don't have cable. Um, and, and I'm like not interested in like, yeah. like, like paying for that extra, you know, premium or whatever. Um, but I don't know for me, it was like, so I, it's hard for me not to think about watching the Houston, all the times I've watched the Houston Rockets play in person, yeah. particularly. And I remember once like, um, my dad, like someone in his office or like, didn't, they had floor seats and like, didn't use them or something. So I think this was in like 1995, um, we got to go and sit on the floor, um, and watch the Rockets play. And I, I remember like Hakeem Olajuwon, um, nice. like, like a ball going out of, out of, uh, yeah. And this was like the dream team, right? So this was like Rudy Tomjanovich coaching, um, Clyde Drexler, Charles Barkley. I had a huge poster yeah. of Charles Barkley on my wall. Hakeem Olajuwon, Matt Malone. It's like the one white guy who made it into the dream team. Uh, <laughs> and this was like, for, for whatever reason, that that version of the that that year of the Houston Rockets was pretty. Like I had a Hakeem Olajuwon action figure. Like I, nice. I had like, um, and and for me it was like i remember hakeem like reaching over us to grab a ball and like getting some of his sweat on me which is really (laughs) which is really weird haven't showered since yeah looking down at your shirt as like an eight-year-old or whatever and being like i have a professional ball player's sweat on me was like just an interesting experience and i've always loved the rockets and i I should say that like if the rockets are on we don't get them here where i live yeah it's just hard they're hard to watch like i think like time warner owns you know they're just like the rights got messed up and then i couldn't watch them and yeah whenever my friends would get together and watch games i would always go because i was it was always an interesting experience my dad's a huge steelers fan so we i'd watch Steeler games with him but i have zero problem admitting like you are absolutely our our the bar to death resident sports expert, and I am very marginal to that world that world of professional sports. And I think for me, it's um, part of it is is the just not having access. But um, I don't know. Like I'm definitely a doer, and um, I'm not really a spectator in life. Um, I've, I've humble brag. No, it's not a humble brag. <laughs> I'm it's, just kidding. Bro. It's, it's actually more about like maybe my narcissism and I like being the center of attention, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, it's hard for me to like, um, sit back and, uh, I, I don't know. I think if anything, like, um, I think may possibly like go with me here. This is a theory to answer your question. Movies about sports have ruined, um, my ability to watch them. And what I mean by that is 
I love, 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 love movies. Um, and I like sports movies a lot. Like I love sports movies. A few that I jotted down were like the mighty ducks, um, (laughs) happy Gilmore, Moneyball, Rudy varsity blues is up there for me. (laughs) Friday night lights. Uh, the documentary hoop dreams is one of my favorite movies. And it's, it's, I, I, I don't know. It's like, it's like these things didn't become real. And for some reason, like going to a basketball game, um, or a football game and it's, I don't know. I did. There just feels like there's a disconnect for me and the, and the, and the player and the team. And part of that is like, I really liked what you just said about storytelling and following the arc of a team for a season. Um, Mm -hmm. I've never done that. I've always just kind of hopped in and then hopped out. And maybe that's part of my problem is I haven't actually like gotten to learn the story of the team and what's happening. And, um, I remember like when I was really, really young, we went to an, an Oilers game. I don't know if you remember them. They became the Titans. Old football team, yeah. Yeah, old football team in Houston. Had like like a like a like a like a Carolina blue kind of team. And um I remember my brother got to like go out and do the coin toss. Um, oh, no was, way. Like, yeah, he, he was like selected and they he got like the jersey. It was like a ticket thing, you know, and he got selected or whatever. Did he pretend to be like just he pretend to be like mentally disabled? <laughs> I know he did. <laughs> he like faked his way out there. Uh, no, he did not pretend to be. Tr- uh, turns into a triumph abled. story. They're doing a doc on him. Oh, that's Kenneth so Bear is a normal eight-year-old. That's so funny. Sorry. That's so brutal. No, he got selected for something, and they gave him this jersey, and he did the coin toss, and it was a really cool experience as a very, very young kid, and I, yeah. and I got really into the Oilers, and then they were gone. Like, oh yeah, they, they they went to Tennessee. They literally disappeared and like we didn't have a football team and then like that fast forward we get the Texans later down the road they, but uh, yeah. They went out for cigarettes and never came <laughs> back. Yeah, and it was like I kind of had the feeling of like, well, I just lost my football team. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no that's that's traumatizing for Again, I was a, five, a young child. Yeah, yeah I, I I think on a ca- I don't, on I don't a, know though. Yeah. I, I, to answer your question, I I really don't know why. I I've always wanted to be a sports guy and I've never been able to pull it off. Well, Tolstoy said you can't ask why with love, which <laughs> I, I, buy, I do buy somewhat. I also think that shouldn't stop us from asking that question and maybe seeing what we can can hypothesize. But I think on a chemical level, on a chemical level, watching a sports game or a season is not so different for me than watching a film. Mm-hmm. Only that I know that film is going to wrap itself up and probably resolve itself and that a sports season... It's not about resolution as much as it is kind of about like outcome. So it's a little different in that sense. Mm-hmm. The season doesn't resolve itself and chances are you're going to lose. So it'd be like watching a Marvel movie with a 29 and 30 chance that all your fra- favorite characters are going to die. So there's <laughs> like a fatalism in sports watching that that is illogical. Um and yet still kind of tantamount to watching films. Obviously we can pick apart the differences there, but um, I enjoy the the kind of drama of it all, and like, and I won't go on a, ma- a massive like sports analytics rant, but the Rockets are an interesting case study of a team that is like they have an army of data scientists mm-hmm. working for the club. So we think sports alpha, you know, strength, brute force, but like the era of Shaquille O'Neal and Hakeem Olajuwon is mm-hmm. over. Those guys would not play they wouldn't make all-star games in this this uh era they they're too slow they're too they're dinosaurs um mm. 
the biggest stars are Steph Curry, who's our height, mm-hmm. you know, weighs about as much as we weigh, but can shoot the lights out of a three. Mm-hmm. And Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Rockets, has basically exploited this this idea of the three point. Now, you know, the three point line has been there for a long time, but Daryl Morey and some other teams now are like basically saying we're putting all our eggs in the three basket. Mm. We're going to shoot more threes than anyone has ever shot because you get more points for that. Yeah. And if we can't shoot threes, then we're going to get fouled so we can shoot free throws because those are the highest percentage shots. You know, you make eight out of 10. So you also have um, less of a chance of, I I feel like part of the strategy too, is you have less of a chance of getting hurt, right? When you're not driving the ball, you're not going to, you're not going to take a foul. There's, there's less contact. There's a distance there that keeps your players who you're essentially trading like horses. You can keep them healthy, right? Sure. Yeah. If you shoot a three, chances are your Shaquille O'Neal's not pushing you (laughs) down. Um, you're shooting a free throw. Well, no one's even standing, you know, next to you. So it's, you know, the, the, the basically, you know, evolution of sports to like where guys like Kobe Bryant would not succeed. Like Kobe Bryant thrived off long twos. Well, mm. in this age, that's pointless. Like, because you're taking all the risk, but for only two points, if you're going to shoot a long shot, you should shoot a three. You should step one um, foot back and make, make it. Yeah. Yeah, or you should get fouled so you can have a higher percentage of making those shots. I'm only bringing this up because it's just, there's these layers of science and math, things I don't even understand, but that allow me to see the kind of uniqueness of the times and the stories behind what I'm actually watching. And so hmm. sometimes I won't even watch sports. I'll just listen to podcasts or read about what happened because I'm treating it more like a like a piece of literature, like a like a drama, like a story, um, than I am mm. actually, you know, a match. So, uh, mm. just that's just one example of a way I kind of engage with sports that I certainly did not engage with it ten years ago. For sure, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, and I and I, it, I think it really does change when you grow up. Like as a kid, um, I had a lot of baseball cards, a lot of sport, like tops, you know, sports cards. And I remember um, football cards never really took off, but baseball nah. and yeah, baseball and basketball and ba- and by far baseball is you know historically much more important within the playing card game. But yeah. my grandmother every year would get us like the the tops, like like the log of cards. It's like yeah, the whole every every player, every player, yeah, every year since nineteen. 19- 89 onward uh from age one to age 18 so me and my two brothers we all have 18 unopened logs of cards in your mom's house in our mom's house (laughs) yeah like stacked in the you know i've they're probably worth nothing um but i remember very early on we decided let's not open these because they will be worth more if we don't and it was like became this kind of like gift where like you saw it under the tree you knew it was coming you could tell exactly what it was because it was heavy and shaped like you know a brick and you'd open it and you'd be like oh great and then you'd like toss it to the side because you knew you weren't gonna mess with it or and it was like i kind of think about man if i had just opened those and like gotten some i probably would have been way more into sports because Mm, maybe you're at least baseball and like my grandmother was really into baseball and she got us those because she loves the white Sox and like she would she was really into baseball and I don't know. And it's, um, is it white Sox? Am I, am I messing that up? I'm always, there's white and red. That's right. Yeah. White and red. Um, yeah. All that to say, it's like, I I, I don't know. I feel like I wasn't, um, 
I, I mean, yeah, just having, uh, it's like having a toy you can't play with. It's like, yeah, I, I don't know. It felt, it felt, well, I won't get it. I won't get into the trumpet. So I just <laughs> won't play it. Yeah. Well, no. And I feel like, I don't know, for me, it was, um, it just, I, you know, I wasn't good. I just wasn't good. I still like shooting hoops. I shoot hoops at the Y every now and again, just by myself. Nice. Um, I can still dribble. You know, I can still do a, a crossover. I can do the old through the legs thing I learned as a kid. I can still, you know, shoot around. I'll sink a few threes. I've never been good, but I, I do get enjoyment out of it. And I like playing, yeah. I like playing golf. I like playing, um, I, I played baseball for a while. I really liked hitting. I, I remember I was a pretty good hitter and, um, I don't know. It's like so much of like just movies and experiences and being on teams growing up like centers around sports. But I'm really shocked that it hasn't coalesced into a love for professional sports. And I think part of that, mm. too, is like um, I, I think part of it, too, is is this. I love my younger brother was really good at basketball. Carson, I've played with Carson a lot, and that dude is good. He was really good at basketball, and still is. He still plays pickup and stuff, but he was, you know, co-captain of his team, was on the varsity basketball team, and so for me, going and watching him and his friends play basketball, to even back to when he was a kid and was like really, really good in club basketball, and they would travel around the country, and that's like kind of how we did some of our vacations to like Florida and stuff, and is like they were playing in tournaments and stuff, and so that was. For me, I always, and, and even now, like if a friend of mine, if, if their kid is playing in something or their cousin or niece, like I will go to that game and get a lot of enjoyment out of it because I know the person doing it. And I like have someone that I can kind of watch and cheer for. And so, um, still, I mean, like, yeah, like I really liked going to high school, junior high games, you know, especially when friends were playing, when Carson was playing and, um, for me, it, it, you watch a you watch an NBA game after that, and you're kind of like, you know, college still has that you know purity to it. A I think, bit, yeah. uh, of course, like the NCAA, like I mean, like I may, we, a, I don't want to say it's a problem. No, it, they have problem. some serious problems. Capitalism has like entirely infiltrated this game to where it is now. Like, and the kids, like I've been watching Last Chance You, right? And I, I love <laughs> I love this show, and I think I like it because you like over the season, you get to know the kid and where they, they got kicked out of another school. So they're coming to a Juco school so they can like, you know, try and get offers, get their grades up, get their GPA up, um, trying to get offers so that we can, you know, regain eligibility to go back to a D one school. And it's, it's just been interesting. Like they don't get anything. Like they don't even yeah. get a full ride. Like of the 200, you know, the last season of the 200 football players who were there and on scholarship, only two were on full scholarship. So they're going to leave with student loans. And like, of course, like they're making a lot of money for the university and yeah. they're going to go on to make millions of dollars for the university. They can't accept a car. They can't accept anything, right? Like there's very, very strict rules of like, you are not a professional athlete. You're a student. But the, and then like bending the academic rules, like schools that have gotten in trouble for that. You're talking to a kid who went to Duke, right? So I spent three years at Duke. This is the mecca of college basketball and the Triangle of I North hate Carolina. Duke so much, <laughs> everyone I, does. I, hate, I do not. I don't like that school at all. I, I get it. I, I totally get it. I was there. Um, I was on campus, not w when they won the. Um, championship in 2015 and it, they, the game wasn't on campus. Um, but it, it, I, I remember going, being on campus and, 
uh, ripping up benches and a bonfire emerges and just like, I mean, seriously, it was like they're yeah. handing out newspapers that you can get, you know, I grabbed one, you could get them framed. And, um, it was, it was just so interesting to like, I, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for that level of college, you, you know, basketball. Yeah. I, I went to a, a college, a, an undergraduate that had essentially minimal, you know, programming private school. Um, of course Duke is a private school as well, but yeah, I just totally underestimated how intense it was going to be. Um, and a lot of that is like really cool and really awesome, but I don't know. Like I just, I feel for the, I don't know. I just feel for the students and I, well, I feel like they're kind of getting cheated. Um, uh, do you, can you say anything to that for college sports for me? Can you help me? We're, we're living on the, the eve of major changes. Basically with college basketball and football, the leagues are under siege. I mean, they're they're making more money than they ever have, mm-hmm. but the players are finally revolt, revolting. I mean, and there's always been an exchange of, of money mm-hmm. between players and boosters, players and coaches and recruiters, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of it's really just now coming to light, and the NCAA is acting on this. Um, the problem is they haven't really developed any solutions that are going to change anything. So... Mm. The fact is, if you get a full ride to Duke for basketball, you got a pretty good deal. You got a full ride to a great mm-hmm. school. Maybe you leave early and go play in the NBA, in which case, who needs a college degree? Maybe you take that and get a decent degree out of it, but you're also you know, living in top facilities. But if you're at a JUCO or just a no-name school, your scholarship doesn't get you very much because you don't have time to study mm-hmm. and you're playing towards something that won't get you to the NBA. So you're kind of left in no man's land. Um, I, I, I think it's inevitable that capitalism can or will and probably should suffuse sports because it keeps, you know, I'll happily give my money away to go to a, a championship game and like enjoy that. And I want that, but I want that money to go to the players. I don't want it to go exactly. all to the owners or the commissioners. And that's really the fundamental flaw is that it's actually not capitalism because at least in capitalism, the workers get paid something. But here it's like it all goes to the overlords and the players are left with with like swat like a team shirt and like a degree <laughs> maybe but they didn't even have time to go to class so college basketball has major major problems uh condoleezza rice is like leading a commission to yeah uh, look into some proposed changes so i think they ultimately should pay the players so as a way of controlling that exchange of money because right now some players are getting paid, but it's unregulated, it's unmonitored, mm-hmm. and that's how you get corruption. So it's kind of like sports gambling. It just was legalized as a means of regulating it, as a means of controlling it, and that's the direction we should head in. I don't want to turn this into a major pod. I could go all day on this, though. No, I think it's fascinating because I just don't have that level of uh, – I'm not as plugged in. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I think it's also as someone who is like – at a undergraduate university that didn't really have a team that we were known for, didn't even have a football team to going to Duke. It was, yeah. it was just even interesting to like, zero ha- to 60. yeah, zero to 60 and to like be at a place that like to have pride, you know, in, in a team and like to, to, to be unashamed to wear like this, you know, just like the school spirit kind of goes up of like, right. Oh yeah. Like we're like one of the best teams in, in the world in college sports. Of course, like don't, I'm not, you know, don't get upset about that. I know a lot of people really struggle. Don't have me. What, can I ask this as someone, so I'm somebody who, who went to Duke and, and I'm not nearly like not plugged into the world of college sports really at all. Why do people hate Duke? Yeah. I, <laughs> can you answer I, that? I, well, f- 
most importantly, it's because they're always good. So <laughs> it's it's why you hate the Yankees. It's why mm. people hate the Patriots, um, the Lakers, because they are perennial, perennially competitive, if not winning. Mm. Um, second, it goes back to kind of the early 90s. Uh, Duke has had a disproportionately high number of really good white guys mm. um, who are also kind of bratty and have attitudes so mm. this may or may not need something to people jj reddick um mm-hmm. uh christian leitner um, uh, there's a few others like in the late 90s early 2000s so for 20 years you know uh, there's obviously a, a racial element to basketball um but then there's something about these like bratty little attitude. Oh, Grayson Allen is. Oh, another. Grayson Allen, yeah. I know. During your time. time, yeah, these like white guys who would throw fits. Some on some on campus a few times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he is. He's people really hate Grayson Allen for his yeah. attitude, and so he would like trip. What was his big thing? He kept getting. He would trip people, right? He would trip people <laughs> and like <laughs> some flop. Video, some videos I saw where he was like clearly just just trying to knock someone down with his foot. Yeah, yeah, like blatant. But yeah, and then would like it's, like be shocked that they would call it. And so Duke has these guys often. Mm-hmm. Um, and then third <laughs> and final, they play this thing called the brotherhood. They like really play up this image that like when you come to Duke, you're in a brotherhood and it's like mm-hmm. transcends generations and transcends time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you're it's almost like a skull and bones or something. And so <laughs> Duke gets all the top recruits, say this guy, Zion Williamson, who's like mm-hmm. the next LeBron James. Um, and he's so the guy, people he's just the guy that blew out a shoe, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was thank like God he's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it was like a Nike thing. And like, I heard that their stock went down like the next day. Like, like it, it actually, he like, he like moved through his shoe or something. It like yeah. just completely also, blew it out. And they like, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I heard this all like it's not in media just peripherally, but. Yeah, the shoe like collapsed on a play in which he got hurt and mm-hmm. he like was out for a few games, but they also just paid him seventy five million dollars to like sign with them. So it was a pretty good deal. I wish whoa, I could whoa, whoa, blow up Nike? Yeah, so he he's out of college now, so he yeah. can make money. Okay. Um where, who's and, is he a free agent? What's happening? What's he, he got at? drafted first overall by the New Orleans Pelicans? Okay, wow, a team that was like on the brink of collapse. I was just say, not a popular team. <laughs> not <laughs> the old Pelicans. I almost, old... I was like, is that the is that the National Basketball Association? Or is that if where, you, you the... <laughs> if you know New Orleans, then you know Pelicans, <laughs> beignets. I, I, I was waiting for something else there, and you dropped. Of yeah, that took me a minute. I was like, okay. So they yeah. paid him 75 mil, Nike. They paid him 75 mil to sign with him. Jeez. So like if if my Vans break, and Vans <laughs> wants to pay me 75 mil, I would totally be down to have my my shoes I can't tell you come how many off. how many shoes I've blown through and got, <laughs> gotten nothing but a sprained ankle out of it. If <laughs> <laughs> to go back to Foot Locker same day. <laughs> yeah, see the guy. It is interesting and I I I mean there was this whole um the lacrosse thing, right? What was this? Oh, Duke, yeah. This was this was a really interesting thirty for thirty episode too. It was, yeah. Fantastic lies, if I'm remembering correctly, is the title. Right. Um, yeah, there was this whole thing about the um, about a, a crime that happened, and with the with the with the lacrosse team, right? Yeah. So, in I mean, we may not. We I'm sorry. I, I just yeah. we may not need to rehash all this, but. I don't know. It's interesting to hear about that as a student and not really know what they're talking about. And um, and then to hear other people's perception of, yeah, oh, yeah, that whole lacrosse team got in trouble. But then it was like kind of 
kind of a hoax, like it didn't happen. And it's pretty well known it was a hoax, but mm -hmm. you know, the damage was already done to some of these guys' lives. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's But then they're also like like what you said, like bratty rich kids, so you're like Right. You, you don't feel bad for them. Don't really feel bad for them. Um oh that's so interesting. Do you who's your yeah. uh, Villanova? Is that your team? Your college Definitely, team? yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just like on Reddit every day reading the Villanova <laughs> subreddit. It's sad. Um No, that's cool. Which Speaking of like thirty for thirties and 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 uh, drama and storytelling, why don't we transition into to content? I kind of have a couple sure. different genres, but you had mentioned sports movies earlier. Mm. Big sports movies, I think, fan. I think you, I think you said it, it might have ruined sports for you, though. Yeah, and, and what I meant by that like is watching like, sports. Uh, no, no. Um, it, watching sports in person is something I'll always enjoy but never something I'll seek out. Like I will never be the the guy that's like, of course, like I grew up going to Astros games. Like that was a big thing to do. And they were awful. They were horrible. Yeah. And like dead last. And then I leave and they win a championship. <laughs> win the World <laughs> Series, yeah. I can't tell you how many games I've blown on the Astros. And even before Minute Maid Park was there, I forget what the name of the old park was. The Oh, yeah, the Astrodome. Astrodome, um, yeah. I went to the Astrodome a number of times as a kid, and now it's just abandoned. Um, so for me, I think it's the, the sports movie comment was more about you get into this fictional world of like, let's say, let's take Rudy, right? To where he's going and he, he's, his family is like a Notre Dame family. And he just becomes convinced that because of like him and his brothers and dad were watching, you know, the Notre, Notre Dame play that, that he's going to end up there. And he goes to the community college and, you know, applies 10 times or whatever and keeps getting the rejection letter until finally he gets in. And then he gets to actually play in a game and, the, you know, he, he, but he wasn't going to, but then the whole team, you know, comes to the coach and is like, if Rudy doesn't play, we don't play. And there's that really famous scene where they all put their jerseys on the coach's desk and they all essentially like quit unless Rudy plays. Right. Yeah. And that is not what going to a <laughs> game at is all. like. That doesn't happen. So I watch this movie. I'm, I'm crying. I'm, I'm totally there. I'm in the journey with Rudy and I'm like, where it's hard to locate that for me in a, in a, professional sports game of of course like it's like what you said being attuned to the storytelling and what's happening behind the scenes and i'm i'm just lazy and that i'm not um but yeah i don't know it, it felt like there was some real like fantastical kind of distance to it of like it, where a lot of the stuff that i was consuming about sports was fictional it was mighty ducks and happy gilmore and then of course like the more serious stuff you, you know Moneyball, and i i don't know it's it's um of course, these are a lot of times movies about real things that happen, but I, I, yeah, it just, I guess it made like a little bit of a distance to it for me. And, um, now if anything, I really enjoy documentaries, movies, um, about things that really did happen that mm. are interesting or small in some way. Like, um, there's like the undefeated was like a documentary I really liked about like a coach who does like little league, uh, like peewee is peewee football. And, um, they're just kids that nobody wants, you know? Yeah. And it's like just an interesting kind of look at like last chance. You is kind of like that as well of like, here's an interesting look of like a team of essentially all rejects from D one schools, who are trying to get into this community college, get more game film, and then get out. And um, 
I don't know. And like how that impacts the town is really interesting. Like I'm really interested in like the local small town politics of sports and teams and stuff. I think that's an interesting conversation. Um, the, the racial component is really interesting. The classes, the socioeconomic component, the like essentially like you (laughs) to, to quote Biggie Smalls, like you're either slinging crack rock or you got a wicked jump shot. Like, Hmm. like those are like the two ways out of these, you know, these types of, um, socioeconomic situation. So I, I don't know. It's, I, I guess being so removed from that is like a person from this, you know, white kid from the suburbs. It's, it's, I think in some ways just hard to relate to a little bit for me, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, it's fair. And we're, we are living in this golden age of like sports docs, like the 30 for thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, good. They're just telling almost every great sports story. And then YouTube, I watch a lot of like, short little mini docs on YouTube about mm. sporting events and, and you can watch any play again. I spend an inordinate amount of time on YouTube yeah. watching old sports stuff. But I do think for a while there, like the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, there was a very specific type of sports movie and it mm. was at best, it was like miracle, which it's like, yeah. we're going to tell a narrative of something that happened and it's going to be triumphant and mm-hmm. it's going to be like Rudy or remember, remember the, the Titans. Remember yeah. the Titans. Yeah. Every every high school communications class was watching Remember Dude, the Titans. <laughs> we watched that. Yeah. Yeah. But then a lot of times it manifested in really kind of corny, cheesy, like very predictable films. Mm-hmm. Invincible. Uh, yeah. Which is, it's not like these films are bad. But then you're like, do we need another underdog story? Do we, mm-hmm. is this what we need? Or at least told in the same way? And so mm. I. I think we're also really fortunate. Like if I think about sports movies, my mind doesn't really go to the miracles of the world, good as they may be. I go to movies that like are really good that just happen to be about sports, like Mm. uh, Moneyball, which I think is one of the best films ever made. I've seen it five Um, times. I love it. I own it. Yeah. And it's, it's how can you not, how can you not be romantic about baseball? (laughs) It's it's that, a like, movie closing about, line. Yeah, it's a movie about baseball, but it's not a baseball movie. Mm-hmm. Um kind of like there's uh Silver Linings Playbook is is mm. kind of a movie about football and family and like mental illness, mm-hmm. but it's and football plays a major part of that movie, but it's not a football movie. And mm-hmm. so I guess I'm more fascinated in how how we relate to sports, how we engage with sports, how sports affect us. And kind of like, instead of following the athletes on the field, either following them or the kind of people on the periphery outside of the stadium. And I found, Mm -hmm. I find those stories as captivating uh, as anything these days. Um, Yeah. Like what's the, what's the old Nick Hornby book? It's about, it's about, football fever soccer pitch, yeah. Fever, fever pitch, pitch. yeah yeah that's a big one yeah yeah about about football in england and then adapted to baseball here but yeah it's like not a great movie but it was interesting to see like a mega fan like a romance story from like a, a mega fan in boston right like i don't know I, and i and it is interesting have you seen hoop dreams ryan this no, documentary i think i've heard a lot about this over the years mm-hmm. Yeah, so it won a ton of, I think it won best doc, um, a few Academy Ever, Awards. And, of all time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, Academy Awards. But uh, yeah, I watched it a couple, like two years ago, had heard a lot about it, never seen it. 
it blew my mind open and it's like a it's like a such a long dock i forget if it's seven hours or five hours but it's really long and this guy followed these i forget if it's two or three um inner city basketball kids for 12 years and basically they say like we want to go to the league and so he follows that it's a pbs doc this director you know films them for 12 years becomes close with them and their families and um, in year four the guy gets fired it's like dude we needed you to write something produce something he's like "Ah, i need a little bit longer (laughs) no he was doing other stuff during it he did some other docs during it but um it's a f- you. I mean, it's very boyhood esque in the sense of you oh, watch sure. you watch three characters age twelve years. Um, wow, and basically like follows them like a couple into college basketball, and then like one guy like in like on like onto the streets, and it's just like such an interesting look at what the system does. It's it's about public education. It's about like these donors who end up, one of them ended up like letting the kid like live with them so that, that he can get like a legit zip code to be at this private school. And then they're going to pay yeah. for the private school. So, he, you know, and it's just like, it ended up being this really fascinating look at the like professional sports as like the way out of a place yeah. and how minuscule your chances are of getting there. And, um, I, I don't know. It, and then of course it's about basketball too. And it's about like, um, the, the, you know, loving it and the, do you, should you do it professionally? And kind of like what a lot of kids go through of like, mm. um, losing the love of it because it becomes like their job. And right. I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's one of my favorite movies and of course Moneyball too, for obvious reasons. But, um, there, there is something very cool about sports, right? Especially team sports. Um, and like, like just even just being on the team, like having that identity, being able to like rep your school, you know, your school or your, you know, your team or whatever, like outside of, you know, like where just wearing it. Like I'm even just thinking about like Sandlot, like movies like Sandlot. I wrote that down, dude. That's a huge, <laughs> that's a very important film for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, I saw Sandlot fifteen times as a kid, and like that's why I played baseball. It's it's a it's a movie about baseball, but it's not a baseball movie. It's a movie about a kid who doesn't even mm-hmm. play it. And yeah, we spent a lot of time watching bats and balls, but this is about childhood and and ha- not having friends and then mm-hmm. having them and then it's one of the uh, greatest summer movies of all time. I would it's a, it's got to be a desert island band for yep. some desert island film. I'm sorry for some specific genre like. I don't know if it's like feel good or nostalgia, but it's just yeah. a film and a half. Yeah, it is. And it's like it, the whole thing is predicated on this like relationship with his stepdad. Right. And he loses a ball and like, there's like family Which signed di- by Babe Ruth. Exactly. Yeah. Signed by Babe Ruth. Yeah. There's, there's, there's like a, a family systems element there of like, he wants to fit in with the stepdad. He wants to be accepted by him. He wants to be accepted by this team, but the team doesn't like him. Benny Rodriguez is the only one who takes him in. And so he's like, enters this world. He knows nothing about about it's coming of age right it's it's holding caulfield all over it's again and wanting to make out with the lifeguard <laughs> yeah, it's wendy peppercorn exactly it's yeah. looking at an older woman as a kid and and you know squid you know or was it squints squints yes yeah, squid squints takes takes the risk right and he, he fakes the cpr and kisses her and it's uh, interesting how that might play out in 2019 not well i'm sure but not not stellar <laughs> I don't know. And then like the, the tree house scenes where they, the, uh, what is it? The erector set they build yeah. that and then trying the dog. And I don't know. It just, it's, uh, 
it's a movie about childhood, I guess, and it's it's freaking great. Yeah, and uh, one other film, and then I I won't you know belabor the point here, but I think I've been really pulled towards different representations of sports. So mm-hmm. again, there's nothing wrong with Rudy or Invincible. Um, you know the classics like that with the triumphant score and the mm-hmm. dun 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 and the da da and you know kind Bo- of following both of those, yeah the fan be- the fan becomes the player yeah yeah kind of kind of following these arcs that are now we're kind of familiar with mm-hmm. but like the movie Friday Night Lights which came well before the show everyone talks about the show and I always talk about dude Peter Berg's fu- movie yeah the film is so much well I don't want to say it's so much better but the film is re- should not be overlooked but. Billy Bob it's, Thornton, uh, so good. Yeah, it, it, the the score is this band explosions in the sky, and I just remember watching this when I was like thirteen, and mm. the score it was never something I thought would match up with football. When I watched football, I never thought of this type of music, but all of a sudden, this music seemed to really kind of mm-hmm. capture the ethos of um, not only competition and being on a field with brothers, but like having this feeling that sports is your life and this is your only way out and the pressure that it puts on you and mm-hmm. and the kind of desire for it to end but also the desire for it to never end and all these kind of conflicted feelings and, and all this put on to you when you're 17 and you're not feeling mm-hmm. 17. Um, mm-hmm. And that was a really important film as far as like... And the pressure. Pres- a, lot of, a lot of it's about the pressure, right? Exactly. Representing sports in new ways. Um mm-hmm. That was a seminal, seminal film for me, and it, it, it's gone a long way into like, oh, I basically learned, oh wait, there's different ways of viewing sports besides like the traditional arcs, winning, losing. There's mm-hmm. like, this is about life and love and loss and grief and and so much more. Yeah, and leave it to Pete Berg, who's done a lot of movies about um, war and yeah. good versus evil, right? To um, in, in manhood to, to do a movie like that, that was really sensitive in a lot of ways. And, um, it, it kind of, what's sensitive. the, what's the Jim Caviezel movie? The, uh, um, a thin red line. Is that it? Then the war movie, the war movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, with, um, Terrence Malick directing, is that thin red line? I think the it thin is. red line. Yeah. So one of my favorite critiques of that movie on IMDb is it was like one out of 10 stars. Uh, poet, <laughs> it was a uh, poetry class invades Guadalcanal <laughs> was the, was oh, the title like of the review and they hated it. And that was like the hit they took on it is basically like, this is a war movie. That's like really like about, wow. it's like, it's like overly poetic and it's obviously like an anti-war war movie, but I yeah. felt like Friday night lights was the version of that. Not that it was an anti-football football movie, but that it was, it just sh- like what you said, it showed a, different kind of more sensitive side of yeah really like for here's here's a team of you know you know a few booby miles like his whole story arc of losing the you know getting this injury and and losing this dream and having being forced to be on the sidelines and then you have this quarterback who's like not really ready for the role but he's forced to step into it and doesn't you know really want to probably play football at all yeah Um, yeah and I, I don't know. That was just like Garrett, early Garrett Hudlin. Tim McGraw is fantastic in it. Connie Britton, so good in that that she sticks around for the show and does Dude, the show. Dude, you, you are riffing hard on names right now. No, I just, I remember that How movie. How do you do that? <laughs> that movie just did a lot for me. Yeah, I Be- love it. Because it's like, it's a Texas movie. It's a Texas it band. Explosions in the Skies out of Austin. We saw Heck them. Yeah. We saw them open up for... Who? Arcade Fire. Yeah, we saw them open up in the woodlands for Arcade Fire, which was crazy. That was but, dope. 
Yeah, that's a great point about the soundtrack. I I will forever remember First Breath After Coma and that, that oh. whole that whole record. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> say, I love that word sensitive. It, it, it exactly gets at the sensitive side mm-hmm. of sports and like undercuts our traditional ideas that like football is just about masculinity and asserting that. Mm-hmm. And you're a warrior, sports, yeah. Whenever I make a three-pointer over someone else, I feel great. And whenever they score on me, I feel emasculated. Mm-hmm. Having said that, like that's not where sports ends. Like it goes beyond that. Um, it it absolutely does. And um, yeah, and I I will say too that there maybe part of it is like seeing some of our people um, in our high school, particularly, um, not like handle the attention well, mm. and. Of course, like I don't know, when you're not the quarterback, you you, ha- you might have some feelings of resentment towards the quarterback, right? Like, yeah. I mean, like he's like the you know the cool popular guy, and you're kind of on the outskirts of that. And I don't know, there's there's just aside from just like oh that guy's a tool, um, yeah. or you know whatever it might be, I do feel like there there is, there can be something really toxic about it. And oh it, for sure, it, it sucks that like this thing that was intended to be fun right and like team building is like in a lot of ways has become incredibly toxic to where you start thinking about making it to the league or whatever like at a young age and and it becomes like i need to get my game film i need to get my stats you know i need to i need to do this i need to do that and it becomes not about the team it becomes about because you a lot of kids like you may transfer and only stay on a team for a year Mm. And it's like, I got to make sure I get what I need while I'm here. And then you even have coaches doing that to be a, we haven't even talked about what it's like to be a professional coach or a a collegiate level coach. Like you're constantly getting shuffled around and having to go to where the next best job is so that one day your entire job may not be analyzing game film the whole time. Right. And you can, you can actually be a part of the coaching staff in a more uh, legitimate way. And I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's every, it's, it's, everyone you know and um there's just a there was a fascinating ending to the last season of last last chance you to where this coach who is like totally uh a loud mouth and, and like hyper confident and and represents everything that like i think people really despise for, for the people that despise football um kind of represents that of like you know you're a warrior and win at all costs and go slap the other guys in the mouth and step on yeah. their neck he says at one point go out there and step on their necks till their heads their eyes oh. pop out of their heads and it's like Bro. this incredibly like violent image but he he makes he's a winner like that's what he does and then in this last season they lose like every game and you oh, s- and it just like go the way i thought it just crumbles and you're like did we just hire like the, you have like the college university like, like did we just hire a psychopath who's like abusing kids and like um he just has a really interest interesting exodus from the show and mm. and kind of made the show and the college famous and I, I don't know. All this to say, it's like, and of course, this is with anything, but like, stuff can really go wrong with with sports. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in so many different ways, and and we're living in the the age where the only way you're going to make it to the pros is if you're, you know, at a at a private prep school at age ten. Now, you know, uh, yeah. playing on some special circuit, mm-hmm. playing against the best people in Switzerland. You know, traveling every weekend mm-hmm. paying obsce- the, the the wall street journal did this study about the entry cost for different sports and mm-hmm. like hockey and golf were the highest we haven't and- even paid hockey it's like i just went to my first actual ice, ice hockey game a couple years ago in the canes the hurricanes in north carolina 
I mean, mind blowing. Such a fun experience. Had never been to. I think I saw the Houston Arrows play once before they left. Um, the town, another team that left Houston. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. would get into the. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I think the the point I was making the is cost that the sports. Yeah. The study was showing that okay, in order to be good, you have to participate early and participate mm-hmm. in the right ways, which costs a lot of money. And that money is a huge barrier to entry for sure. most most people, especially you were mentioning like socioeconomic and racial aspects. So like mm-hmm. basketball has the lowest cost barrier to entry of all the major sports. Well, soccer does. So it goes soccer, basketball, and then like baseball, football, and then like hockey. And so is it any wonder why like Scan- Golf Scandi- is just at the top. <laughs> yeah, like Scandinavian countries are the best at hockey. And like mm-hmm. then golf is pretty much like western and and northern european and and then basketball Mm -hmm. might you know the demographic might look another way and so not only are we is it harder than ever to be good at these sports because you have to start earlier but it's never been more expensive which Mm. we're not only beaming every sport into our 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 living rooms you know giving kids dreams but it's arguably never been harder to achieve those dreams and it's harder for you depending on where you're coming from um, and I'm not sure if that's ever going to get easier anytime soon just because of some of these trends. So uh, there's potential pitfalls once you're in the sport, but then there's also these kind of like tragic barriers to entry, unfortunately. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, intense. fascinating. It really is fascinating. And again, it's like it is something that really does shape our culture. And it's something that a, a lot of people, like the Super Bowl, most watched thing, right, in yeah. America. And then you have a ton of people that also just don't care. Is it is it just me or are less people caring about organized sports? Am I just like, and not and not even just me, like, oh, I don't care, but am I noticing that trend? Or am I, like, are less people watching the Super Bowl than, they, than there used to be? Or wh- wh- what's the golden age of professional sports? Are we still in the midst of it? Is it... I I, th- I think a few responses. First off, we're in this age of fracture, so nothing is monolithic anymore. Like mm-hmm. it may have it may have felt like everyone watched Game of Thrones, but a vast minority of the people in this country watched Game of Thrones. But really? it just felt like it did because we were on the internet. It really but, did. But and the reason is because there's never been more content. There's never been you know a greater number of niche cultural avenues. Mm why if game of thrones doesn't do it for you there's a bajillion other things to choose from so mm-hmm. why settle whereas in the old days you know it was like here's your channels and here's what you here's what your options are yeah but then yeah. in the context of sports people are cord cutting so it's just like you were saying it's just harder to watch sports if, if you're not willing to pay for that yeah there's a bear there's a cost barrier now to even spectating I think the I guess there always has been, but ba- baseball was the pastime of America. Then football was king, and it probably still is from a revenue standpoint. But I think basketball is becoming king because of things you mentioned earlier. Mm. You can see the players; they're up close. They're not wearing helmets. The game moves really quickly, mm-hmm. but it, they score a lot. So, like that's why soccer hasn't you know, really taken hold another game that moves quickly, but they don't score a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of built for the Netflix generation. Um, I think what's definitely declining is, is going to games. Um, Mm. 
why pay a lot of money to go pay a lot for a beer and be uncomfortable and have to sit next to someone who's drunk and get up every 10 seconds to go to the bathroom when mm-hmm. you can watch it watch it in the comfort of your home which has never been more comfortable yeah and you, you even look at like the aerial cameras and the suspended suspension system that they have for those now and like you're right there in the midst of a huddle a play like exactly i mean yeah you watch you watch professional football now and it's it's totally different than what it was 10 years ago you've got cgi showing roots and things that have happened i guess really starting with like the john Mad an era of like some marking right on screens yeah and like having, marking crazily on screens i'm thinking of like the little giants and his, his exactly. role in that yeah the annexation of puerto rico was, wasn't that one of the plays um, yeah it was but yeah it is it's fascinating to see where it's gone and i'm curious where it's gonna go and is and there's also this whole concept of like football is like the modern day gladiator like watching right. like something violent happening for like our enjoyment and like seeing this is why like you can have a double header in baseball but the games are a week apart in football is like just the toll it takes on your body right yeah and like you have kids i don't know it it is interesting on a collegiate level especially with football when you have kids like really putting themselves on the line risking and often taking very serious injuries and they're not getting paid (laughs) right (laughs) anyway yeah for sure man um i and I, I, I wanted, had a, I had a lot of fun playing. <laughs> I wasn't good, but I had a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to conclude, my, at least from my sure, end, sure. with with one other quick thing. And I left it on my kitchen table, so we can either edit, either edit this or, sure, or talk yeah. for thirty seconds. I got to grab it from my kitchen table. Yeah, go grab it from your kitchen table. I'll just say a few things here while Ryan is gone that he really wanted me to say about. Um, that he told me a few minutes ago before the we started recording, which is how he said that he felt like I was the better host of Bar to Death and that I just had a lot more talent than he did uh, in terms of hosting Bar to Death. And he's coming back, so I'm going to stop talking. What's up? We going to edit that out? Yeah, maybe. I think I said a few things that might be of value. We'll see. Just talking trash about me. <laughs> I'm gonna listen. Uh, quite the opposite, right? Um, no trash was spoken. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Uh, just my kind of like. I'm sorry. I feel like I monopolized the second half of the conversation. I, I you're the sports, sports guy, so sports is a great passion of mine. Mm-hmm. I I really love it. I've worked hard to convince myself that it's not just watching alpha males beat their head against each other, um, mm-hmm. but goes deeper than that. And I genuinely believe it is. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um. It's satisfying on on many levels, but uh, one kind of final thing that really caused me to start appreciating it was was reading about sports, but not not like reading recaps of what happened last night, but reading essays about mm-hmm. sports. And again, it's almost more on the periphery of sports. It's almost more about mm-hmm. things that just happen to do with sports, because I think what certain essays have really unlocked for me is that sports is like intensely human. It it might encapsulate almost everything on some level that has to do with the human experience. Almost every emotion can be felt through sports Mm. um, if played or watched long enough. Um, Two essays really come to mind, like strong, strong recommendations to go read if anyone's looking to kind of just like, if anyone's feeling bored with sports or like, doesn't think they like them um one is called john McEnroe and the tragedy of greatness the Mm -hmm. the author's escaping me but if you were to google that you could read it um john's a tennis player right 
Yeah, it's it's about John McEnroe, a, a tennis player we all probably know from the 80s because mm-hmm. he threw a bunch of tantrums and had like an anger <laughs> problem. The Bobby Knight of tennis. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of, he's almost like satirical in that mm-hmm. sense, but this person kind of probes that and basically basically asks the question that how can a player so good who's arguably the greatest player on the planet be capable of being so upset? Mm. How can you experience these things at the same time? And kind of probes the four years that McEnroe was king of tennis, which coincided with the four years he was arguably most miserable on court and would throw these fits and these tantrums and like would win matches but still break his racket and mm. and basically just tries to understand that. I think that's intensely human and, and just kind of, again, kind of just happens to do a sport, but mm-hmm. it's really more just about humanity and how can we how can we have so much at our disposal and so many blessings and still curse the world around us? And I do that more than anyone. So Mm. that's not me pointing fingers. And then the second and final thing I'll say is uh, the writing of David Foster Wallace. He, Mm. he writes about a great variety of things throughout his his career. Um, But David Foster Wallace was kind of an athlete growing up. And he talks Mm -hmm. about how his parents thought he'd be an athlete. And then reading and writing was just this weird thing that he would do on the side, in his words, I'm paraphrasing. Um, But some of his earlier essays write about him playing tennis on like a junior circuit. So like, you know, kind of on that like, amateur level but like on a on a path mm-hmm. to becoming you know who knows you might become professional so it's kind which, of which, serious can i can i pause real quick right Please. just before you read this and say that i read uh infinite jest uh was it last winter winter before last and um i know we had started reading it together right um but reading reading that and his writing about tennis was was actually pretty fascinating and i just wanted to jump in and say Yes, I really enjoyed that book, and a lot of that was because of these characters and this these middle school boys in this tennis academy. Um, it was it was fascinating to hear about it. Yeah, I quit. I've bailed on IJ a couple times, so I don't feel uh, like I have the right to talk about that. But um, I just wanted to read like a few sentences because sure. the way he wrote about sports. What are you yeah, reading? I, what what essay is this of his? Um, or collection. This is this is an essay called "Derivative Sport in Tornado Alley," a title that really <laughs> doesn't make sense unless you read the essay. I love it. It's it's a top three essay uh, of his, in my opinion. Um, but I first read it in my mid twenties, and and it, just the way he wrote about sports, it was again kind of like Friday Night Lights, kind of like Moneyball. Mm. Just taught me that there's other ways of approaching sports and thinking about it. Um, and I think it's totally fine to watch sports in a one dimensional way. And I do it often because sometimes I just want to shut off and watch a ball go in a hoop. Mm-hmm. But then other ways I was like, oh, this is intensely artistic and elegant and um, goes so much deeper. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted to like, like at this sentence, I just underlined, it was one of several that I underlined, but he, he writes about, quote, the fugue state that exhaustion through repetition brings on mm-hmm. a fugue state I've decided that my whole time playing tennis was spent chasing a fugue state I associated to with plowing and seeding and detasseling and spreading herbicides back and forth and sentry duty along perfect lines up and back or military marching on flat blacktop hypnotic, a mental state at once flat and lush numbing and yet exquisitely felt mm-hmm. we were young. We didn't know when to stop. Maybe I was mad at my body and wanted to hurt it wear it down. 
and and I should have contextualized. He's just talking about this time he's playing tennis with his buddy, and they're just hitting the ball, and they keep hitting the ball, and mm-hmm. they don't know when to stop. And I just thought that like I felt that. I think we've all felt that whether it's playing mm-hmm. catch, shooting hoops and hours go by with you mm. and your buddy. And I just thought the way he kind of explored those small moments and realized the importance that they were and like what was maybe actually happening there was um, kind of license on my end to look back on small moments and kind of mm. dissect them, which is what I think we're doing on this podcast and what I think we try to do a lot, a lot more beyond that. So mm. that was some of the sports writing has been pretty seminal in my understanding, not only about athletics, but, but life in general, I think. Mm. I love it. Yeah, that's beautifully written. Uh, and that was David Foster Wallace. Uh, what was what collection is that? What book is that? I don't have that one. That collection is called A Supposedly Fun Thing. Oh, yeah. I'll Never Do Again. So yeah. it's the title of the collection is after one of his essays. Oh, nice. Okay. The I cruise just, ship one. I just picked up his um, brief interviews with Hideous Men, but I haven't, nice. I haven't read it yet. All right. Well, you heard it from Ryan, the sportsman himself. Uh, and from me, someone who is not a sportsman, but appreciates it. And yeah, tell us, tell us your relationship with sports. We want to know, hit us up, um, social media, email us, barter death podcast at gmail.com. Tell us, tell us your thoughts, your stories. Um, I mentioned in part one about if you have any stories about getting cut from the team, if you have any, like, if you have any like buzzer beater moments, like where you like nailed the game, like, like you won the game for the team. Like I'm, I'm always interested in those moments too. So definitely. Um, Send us what you got, and uh, next week, Rai? We're talking about music. Talking about music. I so if you, if you hate sports, <laughs> we, got, we got arts coming for you. We got arts coming. We're going to balance it out, and uh, we'll see you next Monday. Later. 9 p.m. with streetlights. It's never too late to readjust your seat. Sit back. You never can trust oncoming headlights Your power cords don't mix with insincerity You're my luchador in spandex, so call me if you need me.